theyeshiva.net. Okay, so today we begin a special series that we're going to continue this week, and Be'ezer Hashem, the beginning of the next week. As you see, this is the Maimer, Basi Legani, Tavshin Chav Gimel. And these contrasts, it's on page Yud. If you go to page Yud, before that there's a few introductions, but page Yud, that's where it begins. See on the top it says, Yud Shvat, Tavshin Chav Gimel, which is 5723, or 1963. Okay, this series of Shiurim is dedicated by our dear friends, Reb Shimshin and Rifki Vershashansky, in loving memory of her father and his father-in-law, Reb Zalman Yuda, Ben Reb Shalom Yeshayo, Reb Shalom Yeshayo Daich, Zechreina Levracha, Tehei Nafshay, Neshmasit, Surah Betzerah HaChayim, and should continue to be an eternal source of light and blessing and inspiration to his family and loved ones and all of us and all the Jewish people. I also want to wish happy birthday. Oh, you're here. Gewaldik Tzvi Aryeh Ben Rivka. Mazel Tov, happy birthday. Those who behave will get a nice piece of birthday cake after the class. And uh, thank you very much. Honor of the 69th birthday. Arichas Yom B'Shanam Tov is getting younger and smarter every year. This moment begins with a Pasuk and Shehashidim. The Song of Songs, Basi Lagani Achaisi Kala. I'm just going to give a few moments of history so you understand the context of it. Rabbi Zaks was very uh, marveling on the on the words Basi Lagani, like what? up is Basi Lagani? So I'll just give a little a little background here. The sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayat, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, he passed away in 1950. Tov Shen Yud, that's his yard site. In his last years, he was physically very ill. So it was hard for him to say my marim. Chabad Rebbe has always said my marim of Chassidus, like in the tradition of the, all the way from the Alter Rebbe, and the Baal and the Magad. So instead of saying, for every Yom Tif or special days, he would give out, he would publish a Maimer that he said in earlier years, and he wrote, and he would edit it and add some summations. These were contrasts, like pamphlets that were given out, whether it was for Hanukkah, for Purim, for Pesach, Shvua, Sukkot, Yotas Kisla, whatever it was. Yurt was the yard site of his grandmother. Her name was Rebbe Tzernifka. Zayda, the Rebbe Maharash's wife, and Yud Gimel Shvat is the yard set of his own mother, Rebbe Tzinstein Nassar. So for the year Tov Yud, 1950, he gave out a mimer with 20 chapters. 20 chapters, a very long mimer. The mimer began with the Pasuk, Basi Lagani Achaisikala, the first four, cha- the first five chapters. He gave out for Yud Shvat, the yard set of his grandmother, which was Shabbos boy that year, Shabbos Parsha's boy. Another five chapters to learn for the yardset of his mother, Yud Gimel Shvat. Another five chapters for Purim. And the last five chapters for Beis Nissen, which is the yardset of his father, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher. So that Friday, or thir- that, that week, he sent the Maimer for publication, and it was published right before Shabbos, for people to learn on that Shabbos. That Shabbos morning, he returned his soul to its maker, Yud Shvat Tovshin Yud, Shabbos boy. 10 to 8 in the morning, and 7.70 he passed away on the second floor. 
He came, he, he came over from the other side of the ocean. He escaped the Nazis in 1940, Warsaw. But he lived in New York in the last 10 years in Brooklyn. And he passed away Shabbos morning. So it happened to be that for the, for the very day that he passed away, he gave out a maimah to learn. Mamish for a day before, he gave out a maimah to learn on that day. That began with the Pasuk, Basi Lagani Achaisikala. Basi excuse me, Basi Lagani Achaisikala is a Pasuk in Shehashirim. The beginning of chapter 5, those who say Shehashirim, you know the beginning of Perikei, is Basi Lagani Achaisikala. Hashem says, I came, I returned, or I came to my garden, Lagani, to be with my sister, my Kala, my bride. And according to Chazal, it's a metaphor for the day that Moshe Rabbeinu put up the Mishkan. And Hashem said, ah, I finally came back to my garden. But it's really a perspective that this world is called God's garden. It's a garden. And don't take that for granted. Because when you look at the world, it's very easy to define it as a jungle rather than a garden. Even if you don't want to define it as a jungle, you could define it as a factory. <laughs> you could define it as an office. You could define it as a train, a subway station. There's a lot of different ways, a roller coaster, a Ferris wheel. But here the definition is Basi Lagani. It's a garden, which is a place of beauty and pleasure and wonderful fragrance and a place where people go to relax and enjoy life. Huh? Tranquil, yes, tranquil. But the tranquility of this garden is not a regular type of tranquility, as we know. There's a reason people call the world a jungle. It's a different type of tranquility. So tranquility has to be worked through. It has to be cultivated. A garden has to be cultivated. If a garden is not cultivated, all types of weeds and wild plants and bacterias and germs, huh? it could become, become a wild place, yes. So this was the Maimer that came out for Yutzvat, which was the Yartzat of his Baba, but it turned out that this was his own Yoimistalkus of the previous Labavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Dayatz. So his son-in-law, who later became the Labavitcher Rebbe, then he was known as the Ramash, he published the rest of the Maimarim over the next few weeks, even though his father-in-law passed away, but this is what he gave out to be learned. And this became what's known as the Hemshech. In Chabad Chassidus, there's something called a Hemshech. Hemshech means a series. Sometimes you have a Maimer itself contained. A Hemshech means it continues. For example, the Rebbe Rashab has a Hemshech called Tafresh Ayim Beis, 1912, which he continued for four years. He has a Hemshech Tafresh Samach Vav, 1906, 1905, which he continued for a few years. So this is Hemshechem. This is a Hemshech. It didn't continue for a few years, but it has a few Maimarim, 20 chapters. The next year was Yud Shvat Aleph, 1951. The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, was struggling a whole year because he didn't want to accept the leadership of Lubavitch. And it was very difficult. The, the, the Rebbe Neyad didn't have sons. He only had three daughters. One of them was murdered in Treblinka, Shena. The older one was married to a man named Dirashag Reb Gurari, and the middle one, Rebbe Tzachayimushka, was married to the Rebbe. But a year later, at the Fabrengen, Yud Shvat Aleph, was the first anniversary of his father-in-law's passing. At the Fabrengen, the Rebbe finally accepted, officially, the leadership of Chabad. How did it express itself? In saying a maimer. 
saying a mimer with the nigan, the melody of a mimer. So which mimer did he say? He started off with a, a voice choked in tears. They have it on a tape. It was taped. That in the mimer that the Rebbe, my father-in-law, gave out last year for the yard site, for his Yomis Talkus, he starts off, and he started off, which is the traditional melody, which the Chabad Rebbe's would say, my modern. That was the nigin, already from the Alter Rebbe, from the Balatanya. And he said to the mimer, it was a very, very intense mimer, it took a long time, he took a few breaks in the middle, they sang Nigunim in the middle of all the Rabbeim, he cried profusely. But the main focus was chapter 1, he explained chapter 1 of the of the Maimer. The next year was Tavshin Yud Beis, 1952. So he said the Maimer again, but he focused on chapter 2. And then each year came a tradition that he he really took apart and he dissected the chapter connected to that year. So Tavshin Yud Gimel, 1953, was chapter 3. Tavshin Chav Gimel, 1963, was chapter 13. Yud Gimel, because it starts from Tavshin Yud Aleph, 1951. And then, in 1970, Tavshin Lamed, he finished, because it was 20, 20 years. I remember, the Maimah is 20 chapters. Tavshin Lamed Aleph, 1971, he started over again. <laughs> he started over again. And again, each year, he would say the Maimah, the Fabrengen. It was a long Maimah. And he would show the full depth of what his father-in-law, the Rebbe, was explaining in that particular chapter. He would sum up till that chapter in the beginning, and then he would focus on that Beda. And the end of that was another 20 years later. It started in 1970. So that finished um, uh, uh, Tavshin Nun, 1990. That was the second series that ended. The Rebbe stopped saying Amarim in 1988, so he, he did till eight, till chapter 18 the second time, and then not, that was it. So he didn't ever finish the second series. So each, so, so 1991 started the learning it the third time. And that finished 20 years later. So it happens to be that this year is Tavshin Pei Gimel. <laughs> right? 2023. So it's Pei Yud Gimel. Because 1990 started the series, 1991 started a third time, and that ended 2010. So now is the fourth, the fourth, the fourth uh, time. So this year, Tavshin Pei Gimel is chapter Yud Gimel. So they published the Maimed that Rebbe said, Tavshin Chav Gimel, which is 1963, and Tavshin Mem Gimel, which is 1983. Because those were the two times that he focused on chapter 13 of the Maimed. That's the that's the the context of, of this maimer. So it's one maimer that the Rebbe said at the Fabreng in Yutzvat. It's a very very deep maimer. It's a very special maimer. It's not so easy. It's a hard maimer. We'll explain it. Based in Hashem. So that's where they have the two Tavshin Chav Gimel and Tavshin Mem Gimel. That's the background. And it's like well, most maimerim, it starts with a pasuk Basi Legani Yachaisikal. Yeah, it's one maimer that just has twenty chapters. No, it's like in Lekut HaTorah, there's a paragraph, another par- When you say a chapter, it's all from one Maimer. It's a continuation, yeah. The whole series starts off with Basi Lagani, and then it's 20 chapters after that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so in the beginning of this Kuntras, if you'll see page Zion, they printed chapter 13 of his father-in-law, because it's based on that. 
the whole Maimer, the whole 20 chapters is printed in his father-in-law's Svarim, Sefer Maimarim Tavshin Yud, it's called, Maimarim of 1950. But here they put in Yud Gimel because it's the basis of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's whole Maimer. So Bezir Hashem will go through the Maimer. I hope we'll finish. We'll learn this week, today, and tomorrow, Tuesday, Thursday, and then the beginning of next week. So he starts off, Bossi Lagani Achaisikala. It's clear. If I state, okay. <laughs> There's a famous expression in Gemara, in Medrash, What one finishes, the next one begins. <laughs> so he did his. Did everybody else finish Basilagani? So he began with Basilagani. Basilagani Achaisikala, Umevi Kvait Kedushas Moiri Vechami Admur. This is obviously an acronym for my. My, my father-in-law, Baal HaYilula, the yard site. Baal HaYilula means the one whose yard site is on Yudshvat. He brings Mashakasa B'Medrash, B'Firush Basilagani. The Medrash known as Medrash Rabashi Hashirim. And on this Pasuk, Basilagani, the Medrash says, what does it mean I came to my garden? Why are you calling it my garden? This is Lagani Lignuni. Gnuni was a pavilion that they would build for a chasen and a kala. The Gemara says in Sukkah and other places, that brides and grooms, they would get married and they would hang out in a special, like a special hut, a special tent, a special pavilion that was built for them, where they were there for seven days or maybe even longer and that's where all the friends would come and the neighbors would come and they would have meals and shavabrachas and they would celebrate with them. This was called gnuni. So the Medrash says, Lagani here means Lagani Lignuni to my, 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 my place of tranquility. It was like a, a very, uh, Exciting place where the groom and the bride were. To the place, Hashem says, where my essence was always there. In the beginning, the place where I was there. This is what the Medrash says. Because the primary residence of the Shechin, of the Divine Presence, where was it? It was It was in this physical lower world. So I came back to the place where I used to, so to speak, hang out. I used to be here. I came back. It's not a new entrance. It's the Gani. It's mine. This is my place. So what happened? The Medrash says, there began the situations and the experiences where the human being missed the mark and didn't understand the truth about his or her alignment with the divine. The word chait, as we said many times, is translated as sin. But as the Balatanya says many times, the real translation of the word chait means missing the target. Like it says by Shaul HaMelech, when he shot his arrows, right? He never missed. Basheva says in, in Malachim, chatoyim. chatoyim means we're going to be missing. Because basically you miss the target. Like <laughs> you're shooting, but you're shooting in the wrong direction. So through this, through the various chatayim, which created a, mis- a lack of alignment, from Adam. Through the seven generations, you had what happened with Adam, and then you had Cain's murder of Hevel, and you had Enosh, and you had the Mabel, and you had the Deir Aflog, and you had Zdoim, all these things. They, so to speak, removed the divine presence from Lamata, from this world, Lamaila. And it says over there in Medrash, there's seven heavens. You know, Aleph Chesdalet, Ches is seven heavens and earth. 
That's eight. So he says, with each one he went up, he ascended to a higher heaven. Metaphorically speaking, the Shekhinah became more and more removed from the consciousness of reality, of our reality. You know, something could be removed one level and then removed two levels and three levels, and then it's just uh, beyond. That's what it means. When you say removed, it doesn't mean physically removed, but it means in consciousness and experience, it was not anymore just like a person can have something inside of them, but it's removed from you. You're disassociated from it. You disconnect. Then the Medrash continues. There came seven generations, and they started to bring down the Shekhinah. It's a very interesting Medrash. There were seven sins that expelled the Shekhinah, and then there were seven generations that brought down the Shekhinah. Avram Avinu was the first. He brought it down from heaven number seven to heaven number six. And then you had Yitzchak, and then you had Yaakov, and you had Levi. You had Kahos, you had Amram, Savram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Levi, Kahos, Amram, and then Moshe. Moshe was the seventh. So he says, Avram Avram began the process of healing the world. What does it mean, healing the world? Redeeming the world. That's the Basilagani, coming back down. What does it mean, literally coming back down? It means creating a reality, inviting people to realize that they don't have to live a fragmented life, a, a depressing life, a life that's divorced from oneness. Ad Moshe. Shehu Ashvi. Moshe is number seven. V'chol Ashvi in Chavivin. As the Medrash says, the, the Medrash says, all number, number sevens in Judaism are cherished. They have a special love. There's a special Chavivus. Like Shabbos is number seven, and Shemitah is number seven, and Yoivel comes after seven, seven times seven. Svirisaimir is seven times seven. There's a special, there's a special shop, there's a special love for seven. That was Moshe. He brought down the Shechina from heaven number one, finally to the earth. Not in heaven anymore. <laughs> or not only in heaven, I should say. Earth. In other words, making it tangible, making it real. That's why it was Moshe who gives the mitzvah, make a mikdash, build a mishkan, a sanctuary, and I will dwell, Hashem says, among them. What's b'shachanti b'soycham? I want to dwell among you, I want to be inside you, I want to be with you. And this reality is created through the avayda, through the work of the Jewish people. Like the Mepharshim say, the Alshech says, others say, it says, not It should have said, I will dwell in it, not I will dwell in them. There weren't 20 houses, there was one house. So the Mepharshim say, It's not a house I want to dwell in, a physical building alone. I want to dwell inside of you, in, in your soul, in your heart, in your psyche, in your consciousness. Each one, each person, does this avoid of bringing the shechina into his or her reality. But this was began and was completed to that on that level, on that generation through Moshe. Moshe is number seven. And that's why Basi Legani Achaisi Kala was said about that time, Hashem says, I came back 
to where I, my essence was before I was expelled in the beginning of creation. But I created the world. This was the place. And then, they sent me away, and now, Basi, I returned. He explains, The general work of Asilimikdash is talking about, literally, the building of the Mishka, the sanctuary. The tabernacle. Shal zen nemeran on this. The pasuk says in Truma, we'll learn in a few weeks. Vasisa sakrachim lemishkan atzei shittim aimdim. You should build the beams for the mishkan, which are made from atzei shittim. Atzei shittim are acacia wood or cedar wood, usually acacia wood, standing. They had beams made of wood, lumber. What type of wood? Atzei shittim. And those beams stood and held up. This was the structure of the mishkan. It was made from these beams. It was gold plated, and this was the exterior structure of the Mishkan. Krushim. And my father-in-law explains at length in the Hemshech. Hemshech again is the series of my mother. The word is Atzei Shittim. Shittim literally means Atzei Shittim Okeshia word, but the word Shittim comes from the word Shtus. Shtus means insanity. Like a Ruach Shtus. So he says, because the avoide is to take the shtus, the le'umaza, the insanity of life, and transform that into a mishkan. You don't build a mishkan from heavenly material. That's not where you build it from. You build the mishkan from the atzi shittim, from the shtus, the le'umaza. You build it from the stuff of this world. That's the, that's the chiddush of the mishkan. Yeah. Yeah, shita. The word shita is like blushing hataya, netiya. It is following the middle path, and then when you gravitate to one side or another side, it's called like in Parshas Nasi, kisista ishta with saita kisista, right? Huh? astray. You go astray. Yeah, that that's that's the that's the diktuk of it. That's what Gemara says in saita. Amirish lakish ain't adam ever avedam ke nichnas by ruach shtus kisista, right? The Gemara says in Maseches Ksuvis that. Uh, by Yehuda, Vayet, Vayet at Isha Adulami Ushmai Chira, Vayet, yeah. He went astray, he, he went away, yeah. The Gemara says over there about Shmuel Bayitzak, he used to dance by Chasinus, uh, he would juggle Hadassim, Merakad Atlas. So the Bzeda told him, You're embarrassing all of us. Kamichsif Lon Sava, because covered Atayra, he would dance by his Levaya. There was Ifsik Amuda Denura, there was a pillar of fire that separated. The coffin, the are in the mitta from everybody else. So the Bzeda said, Ahani le <laughs> It was the shtus, it was his insanity that helped him. <laughs> the shtus. There's three Lashinas over there. Shtus, Shutise, Shitase. But one of them is Shtuse, the Shtus. So that's Shtus in a positive sense. He was dancing at a wedding, he was uninhibited. So he said, Sapasnasht. <laughs> You have to be uh, calculated. But the Levai, he said, that's an example of transforming shtus. So he says, you don't build a mishkan from heavenly things. That's not where you build it from. You build it from the same energy, the same energy that's creating the shtus delumas, that's the energy from which you build the mishkan. And this is a very fundamental idea, as we'll see. That, that's why you can only do it on earth. Because <laughs> in heaven you don't have stus. 
You need insanity. For this, you need insanity. Kosher insanity. The same Meshugas, the Meshugas, call it Meshugas, that's fueling the Lu'umaza, the unholiness from that Mishkan Atzei Shittim. That's, that's what creates the Mishkan. And that becomes Kroshim. The word Kroshim is Keresh, is Kufreshin. So when you reconfigure it, it's the same letters like Sheker, which is a lie. Here again, the beams, the Kroshim of the Mishkan, you're making from the Sheker, from the falsehood of the world. From that you build up a structure which becomes the dwelling place from Hash, for Hashem. It's not you're ignoring the lie, you're running away from the lie, you're disregarding the lie. There's, there's an Indian in that too. But the, re, the real depth of Basi Lagani is you take, that's how you fix the first seven, those first seven things, because you take that very, you take that very energy and you reveal that essentially the Sheker really wants to be a keresh, it wants to be a beam. Which is also the word kesher, by the way, connection. It's really looking for a connection. Sheker, kesher, keresh, it's all the same words. So when you realize it's really looking for a connection, you could take the lie and turn it into a pillar. In the avoid of every person, it means we cultivate a kiruv. A kiruv means a relationship, a closeness with godliness. The godliness in us and in the world. And that's why the main avoid in the Mishkan was karbonus. Rabbeinu Bechaya writes, the word carbon comes from the word, we usually translate carbon as sacrifice. So it's not true. That's not the translation. The word carbon comes from the word kiruv, closeness, very different than sacrifice. Sacrifice sounds like you're sacrificing yourself in order to serve someone else. Kiruv means you're bringing yourself closer. You're not sacrificing yourself. You're actually, you're, you're, you're actualizing yourself. You're sublimating yourself. Yeah, sometimes I have to sacrifice something that's superficial or alien. That's true. I have to sacrifice an addiction. I have to sacrifice a shtus, after sacrifice, a line. But essentially, understand, carbon is not sacrifice. Carbon is kiruv. It's closeness. Huh? It's a relationship, exactly. It says, Right? So the, everybody, yes, you're not taking a contribution, you're giving. You don't take money. You, that's not what he's asking. He's not asking everybody to take. He's asking people to give. No. <laughs> when you're giving for the Mishka and you're taking, because you're talking about infinity. So it's not, what does it mean you're giving to infinity? When you're giving, you're aligning yourself, you're connecting yourself to your ultimate self. So that's why it's an union of Kirif. It says in Zoya that the carbon goes up to the secret of Ein Soif. And this creates reciprocity from above, a flow from above. The relationship is in both directions. As Chazal say, by a carbon it says, there's a pleasure 
for me that I that I said and my will was was done. And that experience of the Nachas Ruach, that's the flow from above. My father-in-law, the Baal Hayalula, explains further in the Hemshech, in order to transform the lie of the world and the insanity of the world, that this should become a mikdash, a mishkan, v'shechanti b'soycham, that Hashem dwells where? In the shtus, in the sheker. How do you do that? This is the battle that the Jewish people are conducting from the day they became a people, and that's why with the day they leave Egypt, they're called Sivois Hashem, which means the soldiers of the Rebbein Shalala. In this week's parsha, parsha's boy, tzivus Hashem. He beetsem yoyim azay yatsu kol tzivus Hashem eretz mitzvah. Why are we called soldiers? The answer is because the entire work of the Jewish people is a daily battle for transcendence, a daily battle for oneness, a daily battle for revealing the truth. That's tzivus Hashem. Kavisha mevayer shebeteva sava yeshnam gimel pirushim. And he explains in the Maimer, if you see the Rebbe here is summarizing the first 12 chapters of the Basi Lagani, because in the second chapter here, he's going to begin focusing on Sif Yud Gimel, because that's the focus of this year. So he summarizes very briefly, it's, 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 it's interesting every year how he summarized it, every year he summarized it a little differently, because he would emphasize those points that are relevant to the point of the year. So the summation every year is a little different because you emphasize different points. So everything that he's saying in the summation becomes important later. So he says that the word Sava, the Rebbe Ayatz, the word Sava in Hebrew has three meanings. All exist in the work of a person to fulfill Hashem's mission in his world. Sava basically means a soldier, you're in the army, right? Like Tzava, you're in the army, Tzavis Hashem. Tzava also means time, a fixed time, in Tanakh. Halay Tzava le'enosht is a fixed time, and Tzava also comes the word Sivyoin, which means beauty and synthesis and integration. So all three things exist in Avaida. Number one, you're in an army. You're mobilized, you have a mission. And you're indispensable. Number two, everyone has a fixed time and place. How they fulfill that mission, your journey is not my journey. And number two, everyone does it in a different way. There's diversity. Beauty comes from the fact that there's different colors. No, no two people have the same mission. Those are the three things in Sava important. No two soldiers have the same mission. This soldier goes here, this soldier has a different mission. So everyone has a fixed time and place, and everyone has a fixed, a unique element in that mission. And then he continues... And explains and elaborates. During the war, we see You see in the physical world. That what a king, what a leader does to win a war transcends all calculations of peacetime. You have it, unfortunately, in Shtus. Right? You could look at Russia, at Vladimir Putin. You could study Napoleon, 
who decided to invade Russia, and you could study others, to win a war, they do anything. So he gives a very interesting marshal. During the time of war, the king squanders, mavazbas, all of his treasures. And not just money, but treasures that usually he would not only not squander, he wouldn't even show them. Kings had, like in Petersburg, you have the Hermitage. They have these museums, these galleries, these uh, treasure place, treasure uh, safes, where they had treasures of generations, right? Like uh, in England, they have what's called the crown jewels. Some of them are 1,000, 1,100 years old. They're not insured. They're not insured. You know why? Because they're priceless. What are you going to charge for insurance? They're literally priceless. You're not going to charge. They're not insured. So these are oitzeres that kings would have that it wouldn't even show them. Not just from his generation. Things that his fathers and father's fathers gathered from generations. And yet, when it comes to war... He's ready to splurge it all. <laughs> That's how deep Nitzachin is. That's how deep Midas and Nitzachin, Midas victory. And then he adds, and sometimes the king is ready to put himself in danger, which is more than everything else. He's ready to put himself on the line. Why? To win the war. I just go home. You have a house. Go home. No. To be Menatzeh, the Melchamah, he's ready to put himself on the line. In other words, that his life is in danger. This line is going to be the key, one of the major points in this Maimah. This is all a metaphor. That there's a war, Tzivis Hashem. And for this victory, Hashem gives an oitzer, a treasure that usually is not seen by anybody. But not only that, he's ready to put himself on the line. In other words, not just to endanger all the treasures, but to endanger his very self, his very essence. Ah. So to speak, the king is ready to die. He's ready to give his life so that he should win the war. Because he knows to win the war, he has to put himself out on the on line and become so vulnerable to the point that he could lose everything. Because if he's dead, there's nobody to win a war. <laughs> right? He's gone. He's finished. The enemy wins. That's how vulnerable he becomes. And we're going to see here what this means. That uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating, it's a, it's a, it's a very daring idea. Of this Maimer, the level of vulnerability that Hashem engages in to the point where his very existence becomes in danger. But that's the only way you could really win and transform the world. We're going to see what that theme is. Ah, he's going to explain. I'm just saying this is an ah. He's putting on the line everything. Everything. <laughs> That's the point, that there comes a point you hold nothing back. There's points you hold back, which means you're still calculated. And then there's a point, <laughs> here's my heart, here you have everything. <laughs> but this, this line, that the melech is maimed atzmei besakana. It's not just the treasures. It, 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 it's the most vulnerable experience. Why? Because it's necessary for the Nitzachan, for the victory. In order to receive it, this treasure, you need to be a keli. You have to be able to open yourself up. There's no, every gift in the world, you have to be able to open yourself up to it. You need to be a keli. It could rain all day. If you didn't plow the earth and you didn't plant any seeds, nothing is growing. It's called a keli. 
right? We all know people could give us the most amazing advice in the world. If you're not worked out, it's worthless. Why? Because you could rain and rain and rain and rain. I have to be a keli. I have to be open. I have to have a vessel. So Hashem could give the treasures, but He says you need a keli. So the person has to be able to find in their avoida the parallel to this treasure. And he explains, Who does the king give the treasures to? He gives it to the commanders, the the generals, the big guys. But who is it for? It's for the foot soldiers. In other words, the generals, it's not for them. It's not for them to put in their house. It's to give it to the people, boots on the ground that are out there. And this is a very important idea. Because ultimately, it's not like there's a hierarchy. The generals, they have access to the secrets. Right? (laughs) No. I may give it, the Melech may give it through them. But for whom? For the people that are out in the trenches. (laughs) Because they're the one doing, they're the ones doing the work. They shouldn't think that they're giving it to it because of themselves. That's the worst mistake, you know, when people of stature, of talent, you think, oh, <laughs> I'm so good. The king shared with me the treasure. He didn't share with you. You're a conduit. If you're a conduit, good. If not, leave. I was once sitting, uh, I had a meal once with a very, very wealthy Jew, extremely wealthy Jew. He's also a very big baltzdaka. So uh, I asked him how he works with Stucker, you know, who he decides to give to, he decides not to give to. So he told me that in the beginning, you know, he would start thinking this one, yeah, this one not, this one, yeah, this one not. And then he realized that, uh, he said, imagine, he says, I have a guy by Stucker, somebody who works for me. Yeah. And his job is to give me a list of everyone who asks, and I tell them how much to give. Now imagine if I find out that he's the one making all the decisions. The first thing I'll do is I'll get rid of him. So he says, I realize that that's with me and Hashem. <laughs> I'm just the guy by stalker. What well, I'm going to make decisions. This one, yeah, this one, not. <laughs> Who asked you? Here's the money. You're just a messenger. So that's the Nikud. From this too, we understand that the treasure is needs to be in every person. Every person has to find it because everyone is tzivus Hashem. Not just the generals. It's not just some Jews who are in and some Jews who are out. That's not the case. So, if every Jew is tzivus Hashem, it means the treasure is given to each one of them. So, each one has to be able to find it. He starts explaining in the Maimer Basi Lagani, what is this Oitzer? We're speaking about the treasure that the king squanders and plurges, splurges during a time of combat. What is this? Based on what it says in Tikkuni Zoyar. Tikkuni Zoyar is a section of Zoyar that focuses on the explanation of the word Bereshis. 70 interpretations of the word Bereshis. Because the word Bereshis could be written in many different ways. So there's a section of Zoya called Tikkuni Zoya. So over there there's an expression in Tikkuni Zoya. Tikkuni Nun Zayin. Oyrein soif lamayla adin ketz or lamata adin tachlis. The light of the Ein Soif, the light of infinity, or the light which is infinite, extends upwards infinitely. 
and downwards to no end. The Maimer Shabbos that we learned, Ve'eda, from the Alter Rebbe, it has this expression, and he explains it over there at length. What does this mean? It's a very fascinating expression. The light is infinite. The light of Hashem. The expression of Hashem. No, he could have just said, the light is infinite. No, if it's infinite, it goes up and it goes down. He doesn't do that. He says, He's defining something about this Eir. That it goes up endlessly, infinitely. Adein Ketz means there's no end. Ulamata Adein Tachlis. Ukvisha Mavaya Besiya Mahemshech. Sheinyina Oitzid Hu Sheoidein Seif Ulamayla Mayla Adein Ketz. The ultimate treasure is this Oidein Seif, this light of Ein Seif, which is Lamayla Adein Ketz. It's infinite. That's the ultimate Oitzer. And that's what he's giving to the soldiers. In order to appreciate what Lamayla Adin Ketz is first, you have to understand what Lamata Adin Tachlis is, because that is lower than Lamayla Adin Ketz. And from there you appreciate it. And he begins explaining what's the idea of Eidin Sof Lamata Adin Tachlis, the way it's expressed in the creation of the worlds, which is basically the theme of the previous chapter, which was Perikyut Beis, of the Rebbe Dayatza's Maimer of Basilagana. What's the point over there? When it says in Zoyar, Eidin Sof Lamata Adin Ketz Lamata Adin Tachlis, what is this? What, what are we talking about? Why does the Zoyar say this? What's the point? What's the relevance? How does this help anybody? The word oir is light. The word oir is light. What's the definition of light? The definition of light, this was the main theme of last year's Maimah, those who remember, we learned Basilagani Tavshim Chavbez, it was all about what oir is, what light is. Especially today we know what light, I mean, we don't know what light is, but we, we, uh, <laughs> we know a little more about what light is. The definition of light is the transmission of energy from one object towards another, everything emits oil, everything emits light. Light is basically the way one object or a person or anything that exists, it emits light, and that's how it, so to speak, is communicated to somebody else. I see your light, you see my light. Everything gives out light. And of course, based on the electromagnetic fields, of that light, or based on the the frequency of the light, the frequency of the light, the the speed of the light, and the various properties of the light, that's what I could see, what I can't see. But everything in the world emits oil, emits light. Pashat physically we're talking about. What does this represent spiritually? Oil is the way that one thing is experienced and seen by another. You have who you are, and you have the way you're seen, the way you're transported into another world. The way I see you, the way I perceive you. That's what the concept of Eid is. So Eid is the ability for a relationship, for connection. Without Eid, there was no concept of light. You are who you are. Self-contained. Eid allows there to be a connection. You see me, I see you. I see reality, I see a world, I see objects around me. 
That's the concept of Oir. Oir ain't soif, therefore, what does it mean? It means the way the ain't soif, the way Hashem, Kivayachal, could be perceived, could be experienced in reality. That's the concept of Oir. If there was no concept of Oir, so the core would be the core, but it would be untouchable. I have no, I would have no entrance into your life. I would have, Oir is the fact that there's a system of PR, there's a system of tikshoret, of communication. Oir is the ultimate communication, the first and ultimate communication. Because things emit light, so therefore that light can reach my eyes, and the retina of my eyes can, have, my eyes has sensors that picks up the light, my brain interprets it, and then I say, this is what I'm seeing. There's certain things I can't see. Not because it doesn't have light, because it's levels of light that I have no, I'm not a Kaylee for. I don't, my senses don't pick them up. My brain doesn't pick it up. So those, you know, there's certain colors we don't see. You know, birds could see certain colors we don't see. The sounds we don't hear. There's certain, because in order for me to be able to see it, I have to have Kaylee for it. But the Nakuda of Ur is the way something is expressed, manifested, communicated. That's Ur. So the Zoyer says a statement that the Ur of Ein Saif, which is Hashem, is Lamayla Adenkets. It goes endlessly upwards and it goes endlessly downwards. The focus of this chapter is what does it mean Lamata Adentachlis? What does it mean by Lamata Adentachlis? So on one level, in the previous chapter, he explained Lamata Adentachlis is that since the Ur is from Hashem, the Ur is infinite. Because the air reflects its source. So the source is infinite, the light is infinite. And creation happens through this light. This was the main idea. And because of that, there's an infinite, infinite worlds that are created from that air. That's called expressing the fact that you're dealing with an infinite, the light is infinite. But now he continues, and that was at length the, the toichen of well, last year as we learned Basi Lagani Tov Shechav Beis. It's online if anybody wants to review it. It's an incredible deep mimer. The whole system of creation through Ur, what Ur is and how Ur creates, etc. But now he takes it a step further. And he says, if Yud Gimel, which is Echad, Yud Gimel is the numerology of Echad, one, and that's not Stama's statement, because we'll see this is this is going to be the point. Sif Yud Gimel, which is Echad, Mam Shech Levar Inyan Noisif B'Lamata Adin Tachlis, Loidak B'Negeil Inyan Ishavos, Ela B'Negeil Ispashtus V'Gilu Yerin Sif. He explains that Lamata Adin Tachlis doesn't only mean that he creates in an infinite way, but it's also talking about the Hispashtus and the Gilu of the Erin Sif. That the expression and the revelation of the infinite light goes down Below to no end. What does it mean it goes down below to no end? This is the key. There's no place in the world where you can't find the Eirein Saif. We can't take those words lightly because it's counterintuitive. You can go down lower, 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 lower. But there's an end, right? It says, Adein Tachlis. Just like when you go up, 
Yesterday in Torah, Parshas Ve'eda, we learned, Al-Tarebbe says, Lamayla din Ketz means, as high as you go up, you can go further up. Which means, any definition that you'll ever give for God, there's always another more. Don't get stuck. People like at some point to feel comfortable in reality. You know, I could control my life. I understand life. He says, there's a, there's higher. The word Ebrishter in Yiddish, how do you call Hashem? Ebrishter. What does Ebrishter mean? Higher. Higher than what? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Wherever it is. Ebrishter. There's something higher. The Baal said, for every question, I have an answer. But for every answer, I have a question. I have an answer for that question too, but for that question, for that answer, I have a question. Because what's a question? A question is really going up to a higher world. You know, sometimes you read something, it makes sense, right? You learn a Gemara fast, it makes sense. Then you learn it a little better, and you see it doesn't make sense. Why? Because you learned it better. (laughs) The first time you didn't understand, so it made sense. (laughs) You learned it a little better, it doesn't make sense. Then you learn it a third time, you learned it, now it does make sense. Then you learn it a fourth time, it stops making sense. That's what the Bashamda was saying. A kasha means you're going higher. <laughs> a, a, a real kasha. You're going higher. So I have a question. Then I have an answer. <laughs> but then I have another question. So the Maila Den Ketz means you go higher and higher and higher. In other words, whenever a person feels, I got it. I understand it. I have my life figured out. <laughs> my life is under control. That's a prison. That's a trap. There's no case, there's no, there's no limit to how high reality is, how deep it is. On one hand, it's very humbling, because like, I can't master it, but that's exactly the point. Of course you can't master it. As long as there's an I, you can't master it. You always have to shed more layers, more layers, more layers. And fortunate is the person who's open to that. Right? Today's redemption becomes tomorrow's exile. Tomorrow's redemption becomes the next day's exile. That's Lamayla Dinkets. So you can always go deeper and higher. Don't put a lid on growth. Don't stifle growth. Don't put a lid on God. Abishter doesn't say anything. It just says, higher. <laughs> higher. There's more. There's more, there's more, there's more. I told you the Maise with the Batche, no? I told you the Maise, yeah? There was a Chassid of the Balatanya, he was a Batche. The problem was that at that wedding, the Alter Rebbe was there, so he couldn't, uh, he didn't feel comfortable, so he said some uh, Lechayim. He loosened up, and he starts talking to the Alter Rebbe, and he said, I decided that there's no big difference between you and me. Why? What I know, you also know. What you don't know, I also don't know. So what's the difference? There's some things that you know, and I don't know. (laughs) But then he said, but how does what you know compare to what you don't know? (laughs) They said, I'll up and started to cry. So that's the Maila Dekes. The Maila Dekes means... 
never define reality. Never, never, the, the worst thing, you know, the most, the saddest thing a person could say is, I know everything there is to know about myself. I know everything there is to know about my spouse. I know everything there is to know about my children. <laughs> the worst thing you can hear from a therapist or from a neuroscientist is, I know everything there is to know about the brain. Really. A doctor. I know everything there is to know about medicine. Really. A rabbi. I know everything there is to know about truth. Really. <laughs> then it's not true. That's Lamayla Denketz. But what's Lamata Adin is the opposite. So there's no definition. I got that. Every definition is only a very limited version. It's important, but there's higher, 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 deeper. Lamata Adin is the exact opposite. There's no place that's too low. In other words, there's no definition that is not true. There's no definition that doesn't capture him. Like Reblevitzer Badichev is nigin. Reblevitzer Badichev has a dudala, yeah? He says, Aye em tsoa kariboy no shaloilom. Vaaye loy em tsoa kariboy no shaloilom. Avu valigdigifinen. Riboy no shaloilom. Unavu valigdinishgifinen. Riboy no shaloilom. Where will I find you? Where can I find you? And then he says, But where won't I find you? Where can I find you? I say, here, I found you, this is it. But where can I not find you? Lamata de Tachlis means there's no place that's too low that you can't find him. The Eirein Tzayf extends infinitely up, but also infinitely down. So every definition, every experience of life is also Eirein Tzayf. <laughs> it's not limited by that, but it's not excluded from that either. Every drop of water and every flake of snow and every drop of rain and every grain of sand and every cell and every atom and every heartbeat and every pulse and every star and every bush and shrub and and stone and insect and reptile and fish and bird and mammal and even you and I. (laughs) It's also an embodiment of Ain Saif. There's no definition that's excluded. Right, the Kotzker Rebbe once asked his students, right, who is God? Where is God? And the answer he wanted to hear was, wherever you let him in. <laughs> so that's in terms of what I experience. But here we're saying, there's no mata. You say, but I'm too low. This is too low. He says, no, the Eirin Saif goes endlessly below, just like it goes endlessly above. But what's pshat that goes endlessly below? So you could think he creates things that are very mundane and physical. That's true. But he says, here the vart is, his pashtus vigiliyayin saif. The divine infinity goes down the mata de tachlas. <laughs> Not that he creates things. The erin saif is la mata de tachlas. Which means, which means, now this needs a lot of explanation, but I'm just saying what it means. It means as follows. Whatever you're looking at in the world, even that which you're calling the lowest of the lowest of the lowest, you could say it another few times, but I don't want to keep you here forever, so I won't say it more. But the lowest of the lowest of the lowest, what you're really seeing is, what are you seeing? Are you safe? 
And that's the source of all healing. And that's the source of the whole tikkun. And that's why the last lines of the Maimi is going to say, that's why lo yidach memenu nidach. They put it here in parentheses. They didn't get it that that, that was the whole nekudah. Whoever edited it, you put it in parentheses. It's really the whole point. What's fatla yidachumenu nidach? Nothing is going to get lost. Why is nothing going to get lost? Nothing is going to get lost because it can't get lost, because it's not lost. Because it's eating saif. It just doesn't know who it is. It's a distortion of who you are. That's the Chiddush. Eirin Tzav Lamata Den Tachlis means the lowest place you'll go if you know how to look at it, what you're seeing is Eirin Tzav. So it's not like you're sick, but we're going to heal you. No. No. What you defined as your lowest of the low is essentially Eirin Tzav. You have to have the right glasses. That's the Nakuda. You have to have the right perspective. And therefore, nothing and nobody is going to get lost because you're not lost. <laughs> you're connected right now. That's what I'm explaining. We're not talking about his havas, we're talking about his and gili. His havas means that something that's infinite can create whatever it wants. But what it creates is something else. His pashtus vigili means that the oirein saif is extending and expressing itself In other words, what is the It's a gili of Eirin Saif. You'll say, what do you mean? So it's not matadin tachlis. So call it infinity. That's the Chiddush of the Zohar. That this Eirin Saif, this communication of Eirin Saif, Eir is communication, Eir is revelation. Remember, that's what light is. It's not just Lamaila then Ketz, Lamata in the lowest Lamata. It is Ayn So you say, so why are you calling it Mata? So it's a very high thing. It's not. That's why it's called Lamata. It's actually something that's completely detached, apparently. And that's what it means. You remember that the king puts himself in danger. <laughs> the king puts himself in danger. What does it mean he puts himself in danger? You go into a place where you may die. You understand? You go into a place where you may get cut off. You may be destroyed. The Eirin Saif goes into a place that's not comfortable. It goes into a place where it may die. What does it mean it may die? What does it mean it may die? Huh? Cut off! Cut off! (laughs) I don't want to say those words, but it's like Hashem is putting himself in a position where he's not going to come back. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) But they're stronger than him. If he crit, what does it mean? It means you're putting yourself in a place where you could be completely cut off, which is a form of death. Let me finish that. Another Hashem is going into a place where there's complete disconnection and disassociation from self, which is the most dangerous place to be. But who's going in there? Ain't safe. Why? It's the only way you could win the war. The only way you could win the war. When you say Hashem does it, it means we're all doing it. It means that's the system of reality. 
So the Eirein Saif goes into a place of Lamata the Intachlis. It's Taka called Mata. Huh? Therefore, Lahidach Nidach. Therefore, Lahidach Nidach. Why Lahidach Nidach? Because it's Ain Saif. Right, just to bring out the intensity of it, how, how, how serious it is. Let's talk in a person's life, okay? There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a process known as disassociation, where you become disconnected from yourself. It's a very, very serious condition, because there's no I anymore. As long as there's an I, right, I can feel pain, I can feel sadness, I can feel difficult emotions, and I have to deal with it. But then, the pain is so deep that the I says bye-bye, I mean, we've spoken many times about this. I'm not going to get into this, but there's people, children, who went through experiences that their souls had to leave their bodies. There's people here in this room who unfortunately know this too well from themselves. What does it mean their souls? It's not a, it's not a mystical thing I'm saying. These are real facts. The soul leaves the body. What does it mean? It means if my body as a child experienced things that were despicable, the, to be present would be too painful. So what happens? You know what happens? The eye disassociates. In Lashon Achsidus, the eye goes into Golos, gets covered over by clippers by a thousand shells. You don't have access to the eye. And now my body, do whatever you want with it. It's like a shell. Here, you want to hit the table, hit my body. What happens when this person grows up? There's, there's, there's no eye. <laughs> There's a complete disconnect. I don't even know who I am. I don't know what I believe in. I don't know what I'm feeling. Nobody should know about this, but this is a real condition. This is called the Mata Adin This is going to be the Nekud of this Maimer. This is going to be the Nekud of this Maimer. You have the way the Ein Saif is I. That's the core of all I. You have the way the Ein Saif comes down into levels that are connected. And then there is the Ein Saif going into the war zone where the king is in danger. What does it mean it's in danger? Where Kivayachal, you're not coming back. You're like cut off from your source. But he doesn't leave. I'm, I'm, I'm there too. In that place, the Ein Saif is not just there. What does it mean it's there? That is really the reality, even of the lowest place. It's really ain't safe. It's, it's not seen that way. That's the most vulnerable thing in the world Hashem can do. That I'm ready to go into a place where it seems like I'm completely disassociated from myself. How, how radical is that? Where am I ready to go? I'm ready to go. I'll talk to you. I'll connect to you. But I want to be connected to me, right? <laughs> When a lifeguard goes into the ocean to save somebody, the lifeguard goes in only if he could bring the person out of the water, not if he's going to drown. Chas v'shalom. Nobody jumped out of the lifeboats by the Titanic to go save people because they would go with them. You have to have a means to save somebody. So I'll reach out to you, but I'm going to... I'll reach out to you when they save people who are stuck, uh, you know, in caves, miners, and this, right? You have to make sure that you have the mechanism to pull them out. 
You have the rope. You're not going to detach yourself from the rope and go down. You're not coming back. <laughs> what, are you, what are you gaining? So I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, but I'm not going to disassociate from me. I want to pull you up. But by a Mulchama, the Melech goes further. He's going to go fully there. Now he knows he's not going to die. The Yaakov, you're right, he knows. <laughs> but what does that mean? That means you're never going to be detached. Because wherever you are, it's ain't safe. So so you'll never be able to get lost. And for that, the Yitzchayf has to go into a place that's the opposite of everything it is. And that's a very serious thing. That's very serious. It's extremely vulnerable. It's almost frightening. But it's the key for the real transformation. That's why Yud Gimel is Begematria Echad. Because that's where the real oneness happens. The real oneness is that Lamata Adin Tachlis is also not separate. Oneness doesn't mean that in a beautiful place we're one. It means that in the lowest place there's still Echad. Do I miss Typhus a little what I'm saying or it sounds too... Huh? Is that Typhus? You understand what I'm saying? It's all going to be the Isis of Chsidis, but I'm giving it to you... Uh, I'm giving it to you the Nekuda. Yes. Exactly. The pervertedness, yes, it was perverted. It was detached, perverted. Perverted is Lamata uh, Adin Tachlas. Perverted is Zemu'ukam, Zemu'uvat, Zelegamni Mu'uvat, distorted. How do you say distorted? Misulaf, Mizuyef Mitoichoi. It's Mizuyef. Good question. You see people get lost and not coming back. You see people that the pain of life is too deep and they're. Huh? Yeah. And, and there's an akuda in them that's, that's going to come back. It may not express itself always in our lifetime that we see physically. But Layidach Menu Nidach says on every nitzutz in the world, there's not a nitzutz that's going to be lost, ever. Huh? Sof kol sof. Even the Arizal says, and you have in the whole Sugin Sanhedrin, Perek Chelek, Elu, that this one doesn't have a Chelek in Elam Haba, and this one doesn't have a Chelek in Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, there's a whole Sugin, Af Yud Zayin Yud Ches, right? Gehenem Kala, Vehemenem Kalin. Right? There's a sugi over there. That a certain Rishayim, yeah? The Gehenim is going to finish. They're not going to finish. In other words, they're going to outlive the Gehenim. <laughs> like you say, the fire is going to go out. You'll still be there. So, so, so the Arizal says, but think about what it says. The Gehenim will finish, but they're not going to finish. They'll still be there. <laughs> it sounds like a curse, you understand? Even when the fire is finished, you, you, you're not finished yet. But that means what? You go beyond the fire. <laughs> so the Nekud of Layidah Nidach means that in the real Tikkun, there's no, no, no bad parts. And this is the Teres Hagula. Teres Hagolos, there's Teiv and Ra. And it's true, there's good and evil. There's <laughs> good and evil, it's real evil. We call it Yetzirah, you want to do bad things. And it's important to say that because 
<laughs> but you're a low life. Lamata <laughs> means you're a low life. But but I I just I just said the wrong words, because that's 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 from a certain perspective, and it's important to know this is good, this is bad, and right now I want to do something dysfunctional and destructive to me and to others. But where does real healing come from? Where does the transformation of the world come from? It says, When Mashiach comes, there won't be Tumma. What's Pshad? It's a miracle. One day Hashem is going to say, That's it, Tumma, done. No. Yeah, it's a pretty big miracle, but it's deeper than a miracle. <laughs> a miracle means abracadabracadu. What he's saying here is, no, it's the emes. When the real emes gets revealed, you see that what you call the Yetzirah was really Eirin Seif Lamata Adin Tachlis. Yeah. What does it mean to Eirin Seif Lamata Adin Tachlis? It went into a low place. It's low. <laughs> like you said, it's perverted. It's distorted. And you have to know that. It's Lamata Adin Tachlis. What is it? Bepnimius. It's the Gilui of Ein Seif. And the word is gilui. Gilui means revelation, but it's not revealed, it's concealed. Huh? But if you understand what it really is, it's the espashtus of Ein Soif. It's the way the Ein Soif was detached from itself in the perception of the Lamata de Tachlis. And God says, I'm not running away, I'm still here. You know how painful that is? That means that when you, when, when that happens to me or you, the Ein Soif was always there. So that means you were never detached. So what you're calling disassociation was not disassociation. From my perception, it was disassociation. Even the disassociation is an embodiment of the Eirin Seif. The reason the disassociation is so powerful. People always wonder, you know, why is darkness so powerful? Why when I'm having a good day, I'm having a good day? When I'm having a bad day, I'm not just having a bad day. It's like eternal. <laughs> when you're having a good day, okay, it's say Baruch Hashem. When you're having a bad day, it's like my life forever is cursed. <laughs> this is never ending. Everything is over. Why? Why, Why can't you just say it? So the cynics say, because it's real. <laughs> the optimism is fake. The pessimism is real. Chesidah says, you remember I said this a few weeks ago, Chesidah says, what's the real reason? The real reason is, because ain't soif lamata adin tachlas. So what you're feeling is, the ain't soif. When you're saying darkness is infinite, what you're really saying is, ain't soif is infinite. And that's what I'm holding on to. Because the Ein Soif is in the darkness. And Fakert, there's something about Atzmus and Ein Soif Dafke there. So therefore, it feels more infinite than anything else. What you're really touching is the infinity of the divine that's inside of it. So the disconnection is so painful and so real and so infinite. You know why? Because the Ein Soif is Lamata the Tachlus. Ah? Good question. You're saying the Ein Seif is also in the good day. <laughs> the answer to that is 
that in gil- Gilui is much more limited than Helam. Gilui, when something is reflected, so it's always with a certain measurement of how much could be reflected. Ah? Yeah. In concealment, in Helam, you have everything. You have the, the Atzmius is there. Because it doesn't have to be expressed. So everything is there. Good question. How could you say these words about Ein Soif, that it's not in its place? Because that, that's the word of the Zoyer. Ein Soif Lamata Ein Tachlis means what makes it Mata. Avada, it's not really not in its place. Because th- that becomes its place. <laughs> but what it means it's not in its place is that when you look at it externally, what you're seeing is disconnect. As he's going to say in the Maimer, this is basically the definition of the world's Bria, Yitzirah You see disconnect. When you say the king puts himself in danger, what does he mean he puts himself in danger? Yeah. He's really in danger. This is vulnerable stuff. It's not a game. Hashem wasn't playing Monopoly when He created the world. He put everything on the line. People don't realize how vulnerable God is with creation. <laughs> they think it's a game. Let's play Monopoly. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, okay, a planet, Big Bang, shine. No, let them make themselves crazy now. That's the whole revolution of Matan Teda. What was Matan Teda? Matan Teda was Hashem says, this is a very serious thing for me. I'm not, uh, I'm in this relationship with Gansen. I'm vulnerable. In it's going to be a normal world. And if not, the Teichich, what does the Teichich say? Somebody once said, can God relax a little bit? What's this whole thing? What the Teichich is basically saying is, Realize that our relationship is, is 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 as real as it gets, and if that relationship is destroyed, the whole world gate sugar. <laughs> so on one hand, you could say, "Leave me alone. I'm not, I'm not. I don't need that." You could say that. You could. You could. It's like a husband who tells a wife, you know, could we make not could we make this relationship not so serious? <laughs> Sunday we'll be together, Monday we won't be married, Tuesday I'll come back, uh, Shabbos we'll be married. But do me a favor, let's uh You're all laughing, why are you laughing? A lot of men do this, right? <laughs> but the women don't like this, why? <laughs> Huh? Or the men would like to do it if their wives would give permission. What, what, what's missing here? What's missing here is even when you're in the relationship, you're not in the relationship. <laughs> a relationship that's for a week or for a month or for a year, even when you do it, it's not that. It's Mazuyev Mitoicha. There's a Mishnah in Parah, Nahari Samachazvin. Rivers that lie. What's that? Rivers that lie. So the Mishnah says once in seven years, they dry up. <laughs> They lie. Naharis hamachazvin. Kozov comes from the word dry, but also from a lie. Kozov. Shekev Kozov. Naharis hamachazvin, yeah? <laughs> Why are they lying? 
Because after seven years, the wells dry up. So even when they're here, they're not here. If a relationship, imagine you tell your child, I'm going to keep you in the house for a few years. We'll see if I like you. If I like you, I'll keep you further. If not, I'll find you a nice place. Uh, I'll adopt you and you'll have a normal life. Yeah? Why? Why? Why not? There's something off, right? What's off? The beauty of a parent and a child is you're mine for now, forever, for eternity. Unconditional. There's a halacha in Rambam. La yisa adam isha v'dayte legarsha. Right, a person shouldn't get married with the das of getting divorced. So there's two halachas. Once it's pashtu to fooler, you're not allowed to fooler. But there's another halacha, even if you, st- even if you say. Why? Because it's hepech of a relationship. So my point here is, the relationship is a very vulnerable relationship. Hashem is saying, I'm never going to, I'm not leaving. Not, not I'm not leaving when you're in the circle. I'm not leaving in the pirud, in the biyab, in, in the separateness. Not just I'm not leaving. <laughs> that is me. The matad in tachlis, it's ain soif. That's called putting your life on the line. Because you could be hijacked. <laughs> you could be kidnapped. You could be abducted. And you know what? That's what happens. The whole koyach ha-tumah, the whole koyach ha-klip is this. Huh? You, you took the king into captivity. Melech ha But only that way can you heal the world. You can't heal the world without, being, without having empathy. What's between having empathy? Going into the place. You can't sit on the roof and say, come here, loser. I'll heal you. You got to go inside. The mice with Reb Nachman with the chicken. The gangster mice under the table. Huh? You remember that story? The turkey, the chicken. Yeah. Reb Avram, you're so quiet. You're lamata den tachlis or lamayla den cats? Oh, ain't tachlis, no purpose. Very good translation. Very good. Ain't tachlis, the word tichla means end and it means purpose and it's the same thing because purpose is the end of something, the goal. So you're saying lamata adin tachlis to the place where there's no purpose. You don't see any purpose. All you see is dysfunction and pain and insanity. Apocalypse. Right? Putin's mind. Putin's mind. <laughs> Russians, no Russians, yeah? Yes. Yes, yes. There's a lot of paradox here. It is paradox. Aiden Soflamata Aden Tachlis is essentially the source of paradox. He's really in danger. <laughs> Listen, you're, 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 you're using your intellect too much. Listen to your heart. Experience it emotionally. Only because he's in danger can there be healing. If he's not in danger, he's not with you. You understand? I'll tell you this is true about every healer. If you're not in danger, you will not heal. Fakert. By him it's even more. Because he chooses it. <laughs> By every healer, we still protect ourselves. We go home at night. We're like, I'm out of this office. Baruch Shepatrani. And by Hashem, he doesn't go home at night. He stays. <laughs> stays during Krishna Shalomita also. 
Yeah, you're right. Because of that, You're right. Huh? When you say a person has choice, it means there's danger. There's a voice from the Magid. It says that Hashem does all the mitzvahs, right? All the mitzvahs. The Medrash says, Mashahu mitzvah He does all the mitzvahs. So the Magid says, I understand how he does the mitzvah of Avos Hashem. Hashem He loves the Jewish people. When you love Jews, you love God. So Hashem loves God by loving us. Fine. I understand that the Gemara says Hashem puts on tefillin. But he says, how does Hashem do the mitzvah of Yireh? Fear. What is he afraid of? I understand. I'm afraid. But how does Hashem fulfill the mitzvah of Yireh? So the Magid said, the Magid of Mizrich. So Machzadik brings it. Because the Gemara says, Hakel shamayim shamayim. Everything is in the hands of heaven besides fear of heaven. So Hashem Kivayachel is afraid what your next move is going to be. That's the year of Hashem. He's like, V'hinei Hashem nitzavolov, like it says in Tanya, M'loi chaloritz kvoideo, M'abet alavachin klais v'leivim hoivde karoi, in Tanya peirik mamalaf. They made now the niggin, yeah, V'hinei Hashem. So what, what does that mean? He's standing there and he's looking. So what's what it's like? It's like, it's like a Google, Google put in a satellite. Essentially, it's like, what's going to be your next move in anticipation? Because of the deep depth of the relationship. So there's an element of Yirik of Ayach. Okay. So on that is the word from the Baal Tov. You know the word of the Baal Tov? Oh. How does it work together if God knows the future? And he's right, right? It's not like his, his, his system is off. So he knows. So then you don't have choice. <laughs> Because he already knew yesterday what I'm going to do today. So the Baal Shem Tov says, <laughs> this is the classic Baal Shem Tov, and I'm not going to explain it, I'm just going to tell you what he says. You'll go to quantum mechanics to maybe, maybe explain it or see that you can't explain it. The Baal Shem Tov says like this, you're right, but there's something deeper than God's knowledge, and that's God's love. His love is deeper than his knowledge. And his love, he wants a relationship. And for there to be a relationship, you have to have free choice. So even though mitzvah is knowledge, you don't have free choice, but mitzvah is love, you have free choice. Because his love trumps his knowledge. Now I know mathematics. I, what do you mean? I, my, well, if I know, I know. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> really what the Baal Shem Tov is saying is there's a frequency where there's no pchira and there's a deeper frequency where there is. Now you're nodding your head. Suddenly you understood the sheer. This yet's garnished yet. Now it's your language, Baruch Hashem, quantum mechanics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a danger of, of really kidnapping. It's being kidnapped, so to speak. Being, abu- being manipulated and exploited. Literally, can dis- when a disassociation, what happens? Myself is, is up for grabs. You can grab it, you can grab it, you can grab it. That's what happens. Huh? Stockholm Syndrome is one way. Even all addiction. If you go to the Nekudah Pnimis, what is that? It's, it's, it's the ho- most horrible thing in the world. Where does this come in Shairish? Listen to this. Where does this association come from? Everything has an akud in Kedusha. It can't be in this world if it doesn't exist higher, in the higher worlds. 
The answer is Lamata Adin Tachlis. As he's going to say, Bri Yitzir which is called Pirud. So you would think Hashem said, okay, Gesundheit, I'll cut off the piece, go fly a kite and do whatever you want. I created you, fine, I'm big enough to create you. No. That part which seems completely detached and disassociated, I never left. Not just I never left, that's also me. I'm there. <laughs> I'm it. It's not like I, I cut you off. Fine. God says, you know what? I'm fine. I can deal with competition. I'm bigger and stronger. The competition is me too. The Piru, that's the Mata Adin Tachlis. That's the Oyen Saif. So what does that mean in a person? In a person, it's the same Nakuda. It means that who went into the disassociation? It means there's no disassociation. That's what it means. The light, the light is there. And, and, and it's the infinite light. And that's why the darkness seems so infinite. The darkness seems so infinite. Because what you're touching is something that's really infinite. We're mistaking it for the darkness. <laughs> really, it's the pnimius of the darkness. The black, hole, the, the black hole, you don't see light, not because there's no light, because there's too much light. There's too much light. I want to learn another five minutes, mamish five minutes, I know it's very late, because I just want to finish this point. So mamish five minutes, we're going to learn inside, but it should be pretty clear now. <clears throat> we're in the middle of Siv Bays here, the third line in Siv Bays, where he starts explaining Lamata de Tachlis, Vizela Shaina, he's quoting now the Maimer. We're talking about Gilui and Ispashtus, revelation and expansiveness, extension, till there's no sheer, in other words, there's no point where you say, it's too low, here I don't go. In states of consciousness, that are all the way at the end and all the way on the bottom. All the way on the bottom. In the abyss. In other words, I'm not talking about a flowery place. We're talking about Madregis, Ayoser, Achrenis, Vesit, Achrenis. Vizel, Edin, Seif, Lamata, Adin, Tachlis, Sheis, Pashto, Seir, Bebchines, Ein, Seif, Oblig, Vul, Klau. The air doesn't know limits. It doesn't only express itself in places that look like light. It expresses itself in places that seem like the opposite. And they are the opposite. I'm saying they seem. They are. It's bleak vulklal. Ad madrega mata mata ad This is the language of the Maimar Basilagani of the Rebbe Dayat. Vahainu explains the Rebbe. She'ein akavon edakshi yashribu yishtachlus adin tachlus. V'lechein nikrein soif. He's not saying that Hashem creates worlds and worlds and worlds that don't end. So he's called Ein Saif because from him all this comes. That's the line. It's not that Hashem could create whatever he wants. He creates worlds afterwards. It's much deeper than that. What the Zayar is saying is that the Ein Saif, the, even the way he comes out in Lamata Adin Tachlis, 
What are you seeing? You're seeing the Einsoif. Some goofball boy from Shalain What do you mean? It's not. <laughs> you created a strange world. You created an alien world. You hear? That's the Chiddush. Spashtas Vigili. No. Over there, he's not saying, what do you mean he's Einsoif? Over there, he's not Einsoif there. That's the danger. The Einsoif doesn't stop. In other words, it assumes a form of complete separateness. Is a typhus, Rabid? Is a typhus? Umam Shikba Maimer, Shashvach, Shoem, Malayan Sev Shachalavi, Bispartus Vigil, and Elaida Kispartus Alagam Gilui. He says in the Maimer, this great Kvaldiki, they say, but I didn't say that it can come out Bispartus. Bispartus means it extends. Gilui is even deeper, it's revealed. What's it mean revealed? What you're seeing as the Mata Hadin Tachlis, you're mistranslating it. It's really a revelation of Ein-Saif. It's not talking about that the Ein Saif comes out in what's called the infinite worlds or even Atzilis. The Afal Pishabedech Ein Saif and Egam Eilamus Ein Saif Alachas Kamavakam Eilam Atzilis Nikroim B'Shem Eilamus Mikalma Kemiyev Shaloim Shashvach Ein Saif Ulamata Din Tachlis Kayal Eilamus Ein Saif Eilam Atzilis this will be explained more next, but I just want to translate the words. There's something in Kabbalah and Exodus and Machshava, Hashkafa, known as Olam Esa'in the worlds of infinity. There's something called Olam Hatzilis, the world of Hatzilis. There's something called Olam Esbriya Yitzirasi. Generally speaking, the light of infinity, first it creates worlds that are infinite. Then there's something called Hatzilis. Hatzilis is a world of ten spheres, but it's divine. And then there's Bria, the world of creation, the world of formation, and our world, the world of action. So he says, when you say Lamata, then Tachlis, don't think it's talking about Eulamisa ain't Saif and Atzilis, which are called worlds. If it's called worlds, it already means it's not the essence itself. It's not the light itself. But that's not what Lamata, then Tachlis means. Because the worlds of Ein Saif before Tzimtzum, and even the world of even the world of Atzilus, where Ein Saif is revealed, they're Kalim for Ein Saif. They're vessels. The vessels of Atzilus are Elakus. So it's not a pella, it's not a wonder that the Ein Saif is, shines over there. And it's not a wonder that they can receive it. It's not a wonder that the Ein Saif can extend itself in these worlds of infinity and even in Atzilus. It's not even a wonder that it could be revealed, that they can receive it. The Spashtus is not a Pella, and the Gilui is not a Pella. Spashtus means that the light can extend there, and Gilui is that they can experience it, because that's what they are. The Chiddush of Lamata Den Tachlis is the world of Bria, the world of Yitzir, the world of Asiya. Here begins what we call Pirud, fragmentation, separateness, disconnection, disassociation. This is the source of reality that's not me. That's where you don't go. You're not supposed to go there. And that's why there could be this reality by a person too. This connection. That's the Chiddush of Erin Tzaflamata Adin Tachlis.
And that's going to be now the whole Hemshech explaining what does this mean. There's the way you define reality as Olam Sa'in Saif. There's the way you define reality as Atzilis. The way you define reality as B'ri Yitzir Asiyah. That's where the Matadin Tachlis is a Chiddush. That's what he discusses now, the next piece. We're going to learn Be'ezer Hashem tomorrow morning at 8. What's Olam Sa'in Saif? What's that reality? What's Atzilis? And then what's B'ri Yitzir Asiyah, which is the Chiddush of Lamatadin Tachlis. In each person's life, you have these three things. You have reality the way it's in the perspective of Olam Hussein Saif, the worlds of infinity, reality from Atzilus' perspective, and reality from B'Yitzirasi. We'll continue. Be'ezer Hashem, B'Yitzirasi, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Everybody is invited. Have a beautiful day and a wonderful day. Oh, what a pleasure to have you. Bruchim Habayim. Gvaldik. We love you. Thank you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.